things are going really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a uh, had a one year old daughter at home. I was somewhere between Odessa and Lubbock, and thank goodness I pulled over on the side of the road, um, and you know, some dirty old gas station because mm-hmm. um, I was feeling really tired and. I was on the phone making my calls, and uh, I woke up, and I had had a seizure. Oh, my um, That was pretty alarming. I knew I had a seizure because I was buckled in. My phone was on the floor. and uh, Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it. We live it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Young Wild Financially Free Podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts, and today is a special day. I'm joined by my newest producer slash social media specialist, Maggie Martin. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Um, So, Maggie, you're new to the team. Yep. What do you think about Tree Home so far? I love it. It's such a tight-knit family. Hmm. Do you love it? I do love it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, and what are you doing for, tell listeners what you're doing for us. So I do all of the social media posts. Um, I help Andrew create awesome content for you guys, help mm-hmm. keeping it fresh, new yeah. set of eyes. Yeah. So now what you guys see on our social media, that's old Maggie just working away. Give putting out some good out. content. Yeah. Um, we're lucky to have her on the podcast and um, lucky to have her on the team. And today's episode... Is a good one. Who do we have today? <laughs> um, so Matt has a good friend named Terry Lee who is a financial advisor, and he didn't always want to do that. He actually kind of went to college and got a, a history degree and mm. um, bounced around to a couple of different careers, but then learned um, that really he's just passionate about people, which is really cool. Um, and he's got a pretty crazy story that um, has some health implications involved into it. Um, a little bit juicy. Dun, um, dun, dun. I know, but he is the kind of guy that like always puts family first um, and really works hard. Um, so we were lucky to have him on the podcast. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, without further ado, guys, please enjoy this podcast. Here is our good friend, Mr. Tally Lee. This podcast is provided by Tree Homes Property Management. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, whether it's one episode or half an episode, you've probably figured out that Matt, my co-host, owns this company, Tree Homes Property Management, and I am his marketing director for that company. And what we do is we help real estate investors and homeowners with their full-service property management. So that includes finding renters. That includes collecting rent and depositing it into your bank account. That includes full maintenance on all of your properties, making sure they're up to code, making sure that you're getting the most out of your investment. So that's what we do. We love it. We fully believe in everything that we do. And, you know, our mission here is really just to provide homeowners and renters a world-class property management service. And, you know, our vision is to create and facilitate opportunities for financial freedom. Like, that's the goal with our company, and that's why we created this podcast. If you guys have any questions about our company or what we do, feel free to look us up online. Our website is www.trehomes.com. That's tree with one E, homes.com. If you're thinking about getting invested in real estate or have some properties that you already own, we are happy to help in any way that we can, whether that's just hopping on a phone call or corresponding through email with some free advice. Just let us know. We're happy to be your go-to guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in today. You got a good friend of mine, Terry. 
Uh, we've kind of become friends over the yeah. years, and we're excited to have you, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks for having me out, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. course. So in today's episode, uh, we kind of want to dive into your story and what you're doing present day. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Terry Lee. I've uh, got a family down in Buda, Texas. So Austin's too expensive for me to uh, get in these days. Sure. But uh, we moved out to Kyle from uh, from College Station where I went to school in 2011, picked up a house down in Kyle, and then started having babies, doing all that fun stuff. Um, and that was kind of my beginning for uh, my real estate investing, and you know something Matt and I had talked to fair enough about. Mm-hmm. Um, but my family down in Buda, I you know got a pretty useless degree from A and M in history. Uh, so <laughs> no, had, that's yeah, not useless. This guy too. <laughs> but I had these ambitions to go uh, be a professor, but then some of my favorite professors they were kind of transients and oh. uh, working in like Southwest, you know, Arkansas State University, and I didn't really see that for myself. Um, so I went and got a great job at Enterprise Rent a Car, okay. and uh, I've got some awesome stories from that. If you guys ever. <laughs> It's pretty much like the 13th grade, but um, I want to say like three of the guys uh, from there were in my wedding and just, you know, like brothers to me. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah, so really enjoyed that. That's kind of what brought me out here to uh, to Austin mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, eventually allowed me to start my family. Where's your, uh, where are your like parents from? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Houston, Texas. Okay. And the way that I got there is uh, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And my mom worked for a little company called uh, Northern Natural Gas. Um, which was acquired by uh, a little bit bigger of a company called Enron. Okay. And, uh, you know, so she was there for about 38 years, uh-huh. uh, about seven, eight years post-bankruptcy. So that was a wild ride. Obviously sure. kind of impacted what I'm doing now. Um, she, she retired, you know, walked away, got her payday. And my dad had his own HVAC business uh, in Houston, and it was just a real treat to see him grow that thing, you know, the right way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a super competitive space in Houston, Texas, but, uh, you know, there's folks who build their business the right way, and then there's folks who kind of take shortcuts, and see my dad do what he does uh, was, was inspirational. So Got it. Yeah. yeah. So your parents are still in Houston? No, they actually, uh, you know, when you started having kiddos, I was able to uh, lure them out here. Yeah. Uh, they're about an hour and a half away, so uh, at Lake Buchanan. Okay. So they're a good distance away. They're close enough to come watch the kids, um, but far enough to where they're not just dropping in all the time. So gotcha. it's a good spot to be in. It's Perfect little place. mix, yeah. Yeah, so I'm thankful for that. When it hits the fan, they can drop on by, but uh, <laughs> no surprises. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, you were at Enterprise right after college, right? Uh-huh. And then what happened next? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can only really rent cars and <laughs> babysit 23-year-olds for so long sure. and have the kind of fun you're doing there. Um, so I parlayed that into kind of more of a, a boutique role over at Enterprise um, in their fleet management side. And okay. so over there, we're kind of chasing oil and gas money all over the state of Texas. Anybody who had their own fleets of vehicles... Um, we were going out there and essentially working with their C-suite guys, consulting with them, telling them how, you know, they partner with somebody like Enterprise and they outsource it, um, leverage what we do with $2 million on your 20 or your 200 mm-hmm. um, And that was, that was fantastic. Um, really, at that point, stepped away from more of a transactional sales role okay. um, into more of a consultative sales role. And, I, you know, that suited me really well. I love the opportunity to, to form those relationships and, I mean, going out to West Texas, Midland, Odessa, Lubbock, Amarillo, not the prettiest parts of Texas, but um, really, really good people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think anything, you know, my wife, for example, um, has this idea of sales as so adversarial, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the idea that, well, I need to go check with my manager. I need to go check with my boss to see if I can give you a better deal. 
Um, but, but all I do, and I think all anybody in sales does that's really worth their salt is just form relationships with people, let them know what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. And if I can ever be of assistance, you know exactly what I do, but please do business with a friend. And that just, it, it was just such a natural fit being out in West Texas doing that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm just curious about, cause like you, you got a degree in history. You want to become a professor. Um, Oh. Well, not really. You no, didn't. no, I didn't want. I became a professor. As, <laughs> I wanted to become a professor as soon as I decided that my degree was going to be in history. Okay. I decided that my degree was going to be in history as soon as I realized I didn't want to go into engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to spend seven years at, at A and M either. It was time to it's time to ship up or, or shape out or ship out. Right. Um. It, I mean, it intrigued me a little bit, uh -huh. maybe for like a semester or two. Uh, but then I really kind of started shadowing some of them, you know, had them as mentors uh -huh. and, uh, you know. Then realized that yeah, that wasn't the well, path you so, wanted So for me, I just enjoyed history and yeah. I knew that it was valuable. I thought maybe one day with politics, did you have any of that kind of yeah, background I, I, thinking? Yeah, I kind of kicked around uh, the idea of going to law school a little bit. Right. It was funny, my dad asked, you know, my, for my foreign language requirement, I took Latin. And so my dad, not impressed at all. You know, I, was, I had eight semesters of Latin under my belt. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a dead language. It's not what anybody speaks. And he asked me if I was going to work at the history factory. And so uh, it was time to consider some alternatives. But, yeah, Matt, like you, I, I love it. I was fascinated by it. You know, it, you don't have to think too hard about how, you know, relevant the things, like in Orwell's 1984, we see them all over the place. And we, we see the things that have happened for the past millennia you know, taking shape again and again, but how do you turn that into a, a livelihood? Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was asking because curious about you know having an expectation or a dream or a goal with going to college, um, and then it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the enterprise uh, sales role was kind of like something that you kind of maybe fell back on, or it wasn't what you were initially seeking. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's not a single person that I was with while I was in enterprise that. Grew up wanting, you know, I had plenty of kids growing up with. They wanted to be firemen. They right. wanted to be like unicorns. They want to be all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Nobody wanted to rent cars for a living. Sure. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it really is a great company. Yeah. And it allowed me, I mean, it allowed me to stay in College Station where my girlfriend, now wife, was. Okay. And I didn't really appreciate, you know, the training and, you know, how feeling a company invest in me. Uh -huh. I didn't appreciate all that when I was 22 years old. It was just, you know, an internship and then a job. Um, but... You know, the, one of the interesting things about enterprise is you become really, really attractive as any sort of employee leaving there. I mean, you, you get there at 6, 7 in the morning. Uh -huh. You wash cars in your suit and tie. You deal with some of the roughest clientele you could imagine yeah. in some pretty dicey situations. And so there is nothing leaving there that any prospective employer would, uh, you know, throw at you that would be worse than that. Uh -huh. And I think kind of shifting over into the entrepreneurial space, you manage, you know, you're not just a front end guy. Yeah. You're not just a back end guy. You're really managing every aspect of, of, of what you're doing at enterprise. So it gave me a lot on that front, but then having the opportunity to actually work with the CFOs, the CEOs, you know, the presidents, the founders of those oil and gas companies, mm -hmm. that's what really kind of got my wheels turning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. that led you to where you're at now. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd always kind of geeked out about, uh, you know, personal finance, as exciting as that is, budgeting and things like that growing up, you know, but you kind of back up and, you know, my mom working for Enron lost a million bucks in her 401k, Yeah. you know, and I didn't really know what a million bucks was when I was 17 <coughs> years old, but I knew it was more or, than zero, right? right? Yeah. And my dad had his own business and again, he managed that. He's kind of a, 
you know, he never really desired to grow it. I mean, he always wanted to have his arms around the entire thing himself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's admirable. Um, it's what he wanted to do. So I saw him manage all of that. And then he was a part of an investment club, very much a slow and steady guy wins the race. Mm -hmm. And I thought that everybody, you know, I thought when I graduated with my very useful history degree from A&M that surely everybody has this foundational knowledge about personal finance. Yeah. You know, have a little bit of money saved on the side, buy a little life insurance when you start building a family, take the free money from your 401k, live in the black, things like that. Mm -hmm. I thought 90% of people knew that. 90% um, of people didn't know that. Right. And it was pretty alarming, you know, what that, what that need for, for literacy was. And so I plugged along and I, I made enough money when I was at Enterprise and I did really, really well but I was serving the needs of businesses. Mm -hmm. And that was rewarding, it was financially rewarding, but I kinda, yeah, people kept asking for advice you know, on the personal finance side. Sure. And they were answers that I was able to get. And you know, just because I wasn't able to turn my you know, love of World War II yeah. uh, into, in, into, into a career, I was able to you know, turn you know, that advice into a career. And it's, yeah, I can't imagine doing any more rewarding than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a big deal with your mom losing the million dollars. Is, right. is that something that you, you know, are passionate about, about helping people not have something like that happen because you saw that and probably saw the firsthand effects of, I'm sure that was devastating. Yeah. I mean, you know, so she lost a lot. Um, but I think the story is really behind what they didn't lose because of my dad's savvy approach. Um, you know, I mean, as much as they were able to get out of Enron, they, they got out. You know, I talked to so many people that, you know, they buy in, they, they're, they're paid in company stocks, and they just hoard it and hoard it and hoard it. A lot of times just because they don't know any better. It's right. fantastic. And, you know, they can get to 35, 40 years old, and, you know, 80% of their retirement holdings are entirely in one stock mm -hmm. and where they work. Mm -hmm. And that can be pretty alarming. Yeah. Um, so helping people understand the, the dangers of that. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty alarming what happened to some of my mom's peers and coworkers. Um, really, really sad stories in a lot of cases shortly thereafter. I mean, we're talking about people yeah. you know, knocking on the door of retirement, sending their kids to school, and it's it's all gone. And was that uh, overnight yeah. type deal? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I mean, they went from 150 bucks a share to cents. Right? Mm. Yeah, just like uh, that. Just yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was actually a really really good documentary on Netflix. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. They're out like riding dirt bikes and doing <sighs> all these wild things. Yeah, pump and dump, man. Yeah. It was it was pretty impressive what they did, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. What's, oh, what's the name of that? that uh, the uh, Smartest Guys in the Room. Oh. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Good I love documentaries. Yeah, check it out. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, quick interruption. So speaking of personal finance and people losing money, this reminds me <laughs> of when people get their credit damaged pretty bad. And <laughs> this, this show is brought to you by – it's actually a sponsored show. So Texas Best Credit Repair. Um, is sponsoring this show, uh -huh. and they are a actually a real estate focused uh, credit repair. So, um, I mean, we've had the owner Sam Knockin on the podcast before, and he talked yeah. about getting people who you know have bad credit to good credit, and then even people like Matt who have good credit get them to great credit, right. so you can save tons of money on loans and stuff like that, um, which is pretty awesome. And they do like free analysis and free quotes um, at their website, Texas. Yep bestcreditrepair.com. I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I want to be, I don't want to be a broker. I don't want to be a stock guy. I want to be a strategist for folks. And I want to know when people are talking about making considerable investments Yeah. Um, as soon as they think they know so they can go work with folks like credit repairs and credit specialists mm -hmm. um, to get an idea 
what's the best financial situation that we can get you in? It's not just about growing your wealth. It's about making smart decisions like, like where we're at today. So mm-hmm. that's great that they're sponsoring us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so remind me, so who are you with now? I'm with Raymond James. Okay, cool. Yep. Awesome. And then when did you make that transition um, to them? <laughs> so I made that transition in, in 2015. Okay. And, you know, so you back up out of enterprise. Um, things are going really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a uh, had a one-year-old daughter at home. I was somewhere between Odessa and Lubbock. And thank goodness I pulled over on the side of the road, um, in, you know, some dirty old gas station because mm-hmm. um, I was feeling really tired. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone making my calls, mm-hmm. and uh, I woke up, and I had had a seizure. Oh, my um, That was pretty alarming. I knew I had a seizure because I was buckled in. My phone was on the floor, and uh, I, I just it, – it was pretty scary. And, and, I mean, just to kind of tell a little bit of a story, I went inside – and I was really thirsty, bought some water from the, from the lady, and she looked at me like she'd just seen a ghost. And you're kind of irritable after you have a seizure, and so like, whatever, give me my water. Um, <laughs> drove down to Odessa, called my wife, told her I had a seizure. She was thrilled, oh, obviously. Man, yeah. And I went and checked into the hotel, and the lady looked at me the exact same way, like, like I was crazy. Yeah. It wasn't until I made it up to my room and started changing. I was dressed, you know, I was dressed nice. Um, made it up to my room that I had blood all oh, down my shirt. Boy. And so there I was, just in dirty West Texas, doing business uh-huh. uh, with these nice ladies and having having blood all over myself. Um, but that was such an eye-opening thing for me. I mean, you know, seriously. Yeah. Being out there, I mean, were my priorities in line? It was, you know, I, I had, you know, family, a, a, a budding family, six hours away, yeah. and I was, I mean, I was truly chasing money right. at that point, and you know, it was, it was doing a lot of good stuff for our family, but I wasn't taking care of what I needed to be taken care of. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so that's scary. First yeah, of all, yeah, right. Um, so when you pulled over, was that because you had been in a wreck, or I because... was super tired? Okay. Yeah. And that was kind of my tell. I'd had one seizure prior to that. Boy. And, um, you know, sometimes people smell weird things. Sometimes people feel, feel weird things. Yeah. I'll get super tired. Okay. Um, and so thankfully I listened to myself. Sure. Um, you know. Got it. And that, you know, pulled me over. So. Yeah. And so after that, that was when you were like, I'm, I need to make a change in life. Yep. In general. Yep. Okay. And so did you start looking for, and did you know that it was the, were you just working too much or like? They have no idea. And it's almost good that they don't know because if they know, they can point to things like tumors and, and epilepsy and stuff like that. So um, we still don't know. I get a cool CAT scan every once in a while, okay. and, uh, you know, that's that. But, yeah. you know, it's all under control, and if I do what I'm told to do, it's all hunky-dory. Got it. Um, but I, I'd been working with an Ed Jones advisor uh, for probably about three years. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I started working with an advisor is, is all good things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just – I, I was making too much money, essentially. We were turning that house in Kyle into a rental house. I had no idea how I was going to get my, my daughter to school one day. And so these were just questions that I had, and we started working with an advisor. And, you know, they'd kind of been pecking at me to come, you know, come join their team as well. Mm. And so it was just something that was, you know, it eventually kind of percolated. You know, oil and gas went from 120 bucks a barrel to 30 I almost died on the side of a road, and you know it was nice to feel wanted again. Uh, so, yeah, that's what that's what led me to him. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And did you have to have like what are the certifications like? Because I know you said they had been asking you to kind of make the switch. Yeah. So was it fairly seamless, or did you have to jump through hoops, or what was that like? Yeah, so I think anybody that's looking to go into it, I mean, there's there's an essential. Um, you can't overestimate the amount of drive that you need to do in self direction, especially when you're taking a step out of you know, somewhere where you're punching a clock, mm-hmm. you know, no, but you're not accountable to anybody but yourself and your family, if that's the case. 
Um, and you pretty much just go into hiding for a period of time, studying for your seven, your 66, mm-hmm. life and health, all those things that just make you marketable um, when you're talking to people about you know, their financial futures. Mm-hmm. And I want to say from about October uh, of, of uh, 15 uh, to January of 16, I was just kind of in the bunker mm-hmm. and learning, learning, learning. And during that time period, uh, my son was born as well. And so the Lee family was just incredibly busy during that time period. But it was, you know, it was rewarding. I, I, I'd never learned that much. Yeah. Probably, you know, probably ever. Right. You know, I'd never, I'd never really soaked up information that, that freely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, so now working in the field that you're working in, um, what is like the biggest, who's your, who's your primary clientele? Yeah. So I love... I love being able to work with folks kind of our swim lane, right? I, okay. You know, I mean, I think people are at such a pivotal point in their lives when they're probably a little bit younger than we are. Uh, but if I can talk to younger families at 25 or 30, when they really start coming into their own and building a family of their own, mm-hmm. um, you can either go one way where you consume everything you bring in and you just hope for one day yeah. that it's going to work out. Um, or you just start you know, building this financial foundation where you're socking a little bit to the side, you're making good decisions that are going to pay extremely well dividend, extreme, extreme dividends in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can, if I can kind of be an early interventionist, those are the people that I love working with. Cool. However, that's a little philanthropic. Um, that okay. doesn't necessarily keep the lights on at the Lee house. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's also a tremendous opportunity. We've never seen these changing demographics that we're seeing right now. You're seeing these aging baby boomers. And really the sad thing about that situation is so many of them haven't done any work in preparing themselves Yeah. Um, for retirement. And you look at these folks that, you know, they may live until they're 90 years old and they want me to give them 30 years of income. It's really difficult um, when they haven't really started laying that groundwork since they've been 30 or 40 years old. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity in that space and people are making these major life changes and they just need to, you know, shift from having an income to relying on, on a set pool of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working with families in transition. They're going to retirement. Somebody's, you know, take going to be the sole breadwinner. They're adding kids to the mix. What's it like, you know, financially planning for myself as opposed to when there's five of us? Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous. Yeah. Um, so what's like the most frustrating thing with like... <laughs> Yeah. With working with your clientele, like I know you mentioned like the baby boomers, how like they haven't prepared, right? And mm-hmm. then also now looking at millennials who aren't preparing. Right. What's, <laughs> let's like dive into like a specific of like, it, I mean, what could they change? And what's the most frustrating thing for you seeing someone, you know, not take care of their yeah. themselves? Yeah. So are you familiar with Vanguard? I'm not. Should so, I be? Vanguard, they're kind of the king of the, the index fund. Super okay. low cost investing. Got it. Okay, um, yes. Yeah, and, and they're you know, they're not an adversary of mine. They're not they're just not huge into the planning space, but they're really, really big into the very low cost, you know, invest into the larger market as a whole. And that's that's where all my money was for the longest time. I'm a my dad's a Vanguard guy. I'm a big believer in their model. They put out a white paper a few years ago talking about the value of of an advisor. And they say that an advisor is probably worth about 3.9% uh-huh. on an overall portfolio. That's just a number. That's kind of cool. Yeah. They said that the, the coaching that you'll receive from an advisor accounts for about 3.1% of that. And, you know, to answer your question, I think it's, I think it's holding the hand of every single person that wants to do the wrong thing. Uh-huh. Because right now, I mean, what's happening in the market right now? We're seeing a map. I mean, we're on the, we're on the edge of potentially a recession right now. Uh-huh. And it's just 
putting my arms around my clients and telling them we're not going to do anything right now. Uh-huh. You know, like Matt, don't sell. I know you're scared. <laughs> I know you're scared right now. We're it's start, tough times. You know, we're not going to sell. We're not going to jump <laughs> off right now. Yeah. Um, but that's what people want to do. They want to, you know, they, they go to a party and they hear their buddies talking mm-hmm. about Amazon or this, that, and the other. Right. I need to go get in on that. Mm-hmm. Well, go buy high. Uh-huh. Go sell low. That's the hardest thing to get people to avoid doing is just um, not not making those types of, of basic financial mistakes. Yeah, I love this quote yeah. from, I think it was Warren Buffett, but he said, it's a stock market's a way to transfer money from the patient or from the inpatient to the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I, he also said that his favorite holding period is forever. Right. You mm. know, buy, buy things that you believe in and just write it out. Right. You know, and I think if you lean on somebody else that is objective, third party, and you just have a conversation because every investment and every decision, every tool that fits into that financial plan is part of a plan. And it has that butterfly effect. Butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. So how can we make sure that every decision that we make doesn't affect, you know, this, this thing that's over here or 30 years down the line. Let's just be patient. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because when you're talking about the stock market, psychology comes into play versus real estate, not so much. And it's like people just panic, right? Yeah. Or, or it not only panic or just get over greedy and, you know, panic, I guess, that they're going to miss out and it jumps well, it way up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, real estate's a little more illiquid. And right. so, you know, you can't, you you can't look at it. I mean, you can't look at real estate price every day. Right. right? And you can't just walk away from a house. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah. it's a little harder to walk away from that. Um, and that's why I at least want to be a gatekeeper when I'm talking about people's investments. Um, because they tell, you know, it's really easy to stroke a check for $5,000 on Black Friday um, because you saw a new TV or yeah. a piece of cake. But if I you have to that. come to me and ask, and I'm like, man, didn't you just do this like six months ago? You need yeah. another TV or whatever? Like, man, I guess that does sound kind of silly. Uh-huh. Um, and you take that same approach when you're talking about people jumping off the ship or, or buying sure. at the inopportune times. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing that your parents kind of raised you to be – Frugal a little bit, maybe? Yeah, I'm pretty tight. Um, you know. Tight's a not a negative connotation. No, it. yeah. Um, like, yep. <laughs> but I think every uh, every marriage has got that uh, kind of that yin and that, that yin and yang. And uh, I'm definitely the uh, the frugal entity yeah. of ours. Right. But I think everybody just needs to operate <laughs> off of this pretty basic budget. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as an advisor, as a planner, I never want to be kind of the wet blanket on anybody's parade. Yeah. I never want to tell. And, and, but I think there's that's a big reason why people are afraid to talk to me is, you know, kind of like talking to the IRS. Like, oh, this guy's going to tell me what I have to do now. It's, Not at it's all. It's funny. When people – I've heard this. This is a very butchered quote. But, like, when people ask you for advice, they're just asking you to tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. People love to love to have their beliefs. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, when coming – like, when it comes to you, it's like you said people are kind of afraid to come to you and mm-hmm. ask you for advice. And that's kind of why because they know that you're going to tell them, like, to be patient and to – not spend the, you know, the $500 or $5,000 on Black Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, think if you're in any sort of client-facing role, if, if I tell you something, you're going to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. But if I can just ask the line of questioning and just understand you so deeply that you come to believe what I was wanting you to believe in the first place, then it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So I can't just say, Matt, you've got a, you've got a bad spending habit. <laughs> but if I ask you the line of questioning and saying, but you wanted this last month, but you noticed that you couldn't afford that, why is that? And you're like, well, because I have a spending. I, I've got a spending. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's just a line of questioning. You tell me that you want to retire by 55, but you're not willing to invest. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you you have to. 
They're going to tell you, you're responsible for your goals and your dreams. Right. You know? How are you going to do that? You're going to ask Absolutely. them that question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then I avoid having to uh, be a party pooper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one likes a party pooper. <laughs> Don't poop at the party. Um, so I know that uh, for a different, like an analogy, I guess, um, a lot of times therapists uh, go to another therapist. Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing? Or are you, you feel like you've got, like, do you need an outside perspective? I don't know at all. No, I think, you know, th- there's a shift that's going on in, in the financial services industry to where I'm much more comfortable playing kind of a GM type of role. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wear the hat that knows it all. I think there are, you know, we're looking at a little bit of an antiquated approach when you would have somebody that would be a planner, they would be an analyst, they would, you know, broker life insurance policies, they would do everything and wear all the hats. Mm-hmm. And they would just stretch themselves immeasurably thin. But there are experts in all of those fields. And if I pay them, my passion is in helping people. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that that's what I want to do. Somebody took a chance on me and my family. Yeah. And that was it was life changing for us. And if if I'm meeting people on a daily basis, and I'm not sitting in front of, you know, Thomson Reuters and you know, looking at the inverted yield curve and exciting things like that, and I'm actually making a difference in people's lives and I'm outsourcing information, it's a better use of my time. My clients are getting a deeper understanding because they're working with subject matter experts. Yeah. Um, and, but if I'm asking the right questions, I know which people to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could, it, it's not just about, you know, bringing folks in that are directly have their hands into personal finance. Um, you, know, you guys are all over personal finance as well. If I'm asking the right questions, I had the opportunity to introduce my clients to you guys. Mm-hmm. I've got the opportunity to introduce my clients to my favorite mechanic in Buda, Texas, if I'm asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think there's just so much value in outsourcing the information that my clients need to hear. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. <clears throat> that's awesome. I really like that cool. a lot. Um, I was just, no, just kind of random point, but it yeah. made me think about, I've had a lot of people in the last like two weeks say, hey, Matt, I want to buy a 15 to 20 unit apartment. And I start asking them questions like, hey, what about this? What do you like about it? And then we, and I start showing them like what buying an apartment looks like in Austin. And they're like, actually, I don't want to buy an apartment, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, this is what I tell them. I mean, you're looking at these deals and it might be $20,000 a month in income from rent, uh-huh. but your debt's going to be 18500 yeah. And they don't realize, they, they think it's like, you know, $5,000 a month in my pocket. But right. it's like, no, you're kind of breaking even right now yeah and so it just made me think like asking those questions to to get down to like what are you really looking for so i'll tell them all the time and that's what i do i'm like i don't think have you thought about hard money have you thought about doing this because if your goal is cash flow then you it, it's not going to probably be multifamily in austin right well i would say anything that i mean what you guys do you know there's a level of expertise that's required and, you know, you, you want to be tactful when you ask people those questions. You don't want to dress them down, but you want to make sure that they've done their due diligence. Right. And so it's just, you know, tell me more. That's really interesting. You know, that's how that was one of my first big projects. You know, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? And then you you never have to be the guy that says you don't know what you're talking about. You never right. want to. I mean, you never want to be dismissive or no, disrespectful, no, no, no. but you do want to take care of people who come to you with a need. Right. And you don't want to just be an executor of that deal. You want to make sure that they're in good shape when they walk away. I did have to tell someone the other day, though. She's trying to buy a duplex. She's like, I want a duplex under 200000 I was like, <laughs> that's no, not going to It's not going to happen. Yeah. Not <laughs> I should have tell them. Yeah. check the suburbs <laughs> of Cleveland. I saw some good deals up there. Single yeah. family's hard under yeah. two hundred. Right, yeah. But, I mean, that's a really good point. Um, you know, if I'm talking to those folks that are 25 years old, and, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I wish that, you know, the young Lee family would have had the foresight 
to go out and buy a duplex in Kyle, Texas and started my real estate story when I was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had this idea that me and my wife were going to like hold hands and watch the sunset in our $150,000 house in Kyle, Texas. And we're just going to be there forever, obviously. And yeah. we love birds. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Especially when you have a kid. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I j- that's another big reason why I just wish that I could, you know, intervene early with folks. Um, gosh, I mean, time is the most valuable thing that we have. Right. And uh, just to kind of go back, just that line of questioning uh, is so valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, looking at uh, your old career uh-huh. compared to now, uh, would you say that you're happier where you're at now? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I – you kind of make that transition, you know, I, at, at, I was making more money at 29 with a liberal arts degree and it was, it was absurd. I mean, I thought that I'd, I thought that I'd arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really realized how unfulfilling that was until I started doing what I was doing. And, and I don't mean to say that everybody who's doing that is unfulfilled. I'm just talking about for myself personally. Yeah, for so sure. am I happier? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are, are finances a little bit tighter for the time being? Absolutely. But I've got three kids, and since I started doing what I've been doing, I haven't missed a Thanksgiving party. Uh, you know, I haven't missed a sick day. I've been a, I've been a part of my kids' lives, and I've been present in that regard. So it's it's so fulfilling in that regard. But it it was about three months in to, to being an advisor, and I thought that I was just you know kind of geeking out on these things, telling people what an IRA was, yeah, and, you know, it's exciting stuff like that. But I, I set up a meeting, and at the end of it. Um, there's a husband and a wife and the wife gave me a hug and this was just you know like a very basic kind of fact-finding mission mm-hmm. um, but all the way when you're doing those types of things you're you're educating just by virtue of having that conversation she stood up from that conversation she gave me a hug and I didn't you know, I didn't know her an hour ago mm-hmm. and it was so valuable to her just to get to speed on that because you know this this finance you know financial issues are just such a, an underpinning of so many problems with mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. and I just see we're kind of we didn't fix their problems but we uncovered them and I told them that we could solve them yeah you know and I think all of us have the opportunity to do that for people just you know whatever your particular calling yeah. is so it's a great point man yeah education's huge and, yeah. and these aren't things that you learn in school which no. is super frustrating <laughs> yeah right is. like yeah. why didn't we learn you know I don't really know what we learned in high right. school yeah. yeah definitely not that and these things are valuable right. we, we went to high school like a couple years ago and talked about real estate and no one really cared we might have we yeah. might have hit two or three people Right, but like yeah. I'm super passionate. I'm like guys, you guys have to start thinking about this. No matter what, you're all you're gonna be paying someone's rent, or you're gonna have someone pay yours. But like this is really important, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just not for whatever reason. Like society, like the way when you start growing up, it's not painted a picture right. for you unless your parents are in it. You know, and my parents were in business, but you know they didn't really teach me about you know, starting an LLC and taxes and doing all this stuff and we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so it's just education so valuable. Yeah, yeah. there's just this huge need for literacy in mm-hmm. everything we do. I mean I'm I'm obviously hyper focused in what I do, but right. you guys are unlocking the opportunity in what you guys do every single day. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how much more impactful and powerful you guys would be if you guys got, you know, forty hours of information, you know, right. in your early 20s on mm-hmm. this unbelievable yeah. right you know but what can we do about that you guys tried to go to a high school and speak i really geeked out when i when a client of mine and he's a teacher down in new braunfels invited yeah. me to 
come speak to a bunch of seniors, and I think it was just got an opportunity for them to jack around on their phones. Right, and, yeah. You know, that's exactly. what I'm saying. That's yeah. frustrating. You're like, guys, yeah, it's important. I'm, I know things. <laughs> right, they didn't hear right? <laughs> Yeah. 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 So. Um, so uh, you – you mentioned before that you're invested in real estate. Uh-huh. Um, let's dive into Minimally, that. Minimally, yeah. Just, okay, cool. You know, I, I'd like to I'd like to go better more into it. Yeah, yeah, better than most. Um, you know, but I love the way my story started with uh, with a nice little USDA loan. All right. House. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. So yeah. yeah. So, and I'm cash flowing on a house that I put no money down on, so that's, that's pretty great. cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was it. Um, you know, it was honestly born of the idea that, I kind of freaked out about selling a house and making the stars align mm-hmm. uh, between a, between a you know sell and a buy, and you know our income was such that you know in savings yeah. was such that we didn't need the, the the equity from the house that we were walking away from. Okay, and uh, just the all the other opportunity that afforded us um, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, from a tax standpoint, um, I've got a house five minutes away with a hundred thousand dollars into it, mm-hmm. and you know when you've got three kids. Um, I mean, that's a pretty nice little emergency fund. Granted, it's not as liquid as, as what's in there, but right. you know, with, with the growth that I see on something that, you know, is kind of a net net for me, mm-hmm. it's a great feeling. Now, I'd like to, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to Matt before about it. And just everybody I talk to says, don't sell it. Yeah. You know, don't ever sell it. Don't touch it. But, you know, I, my mom worked for Enron. I, I, I preach diversify, diversify, diversify all day long. And yeah. so I would love to turn that into one to two to four doors, what have you. But just... It just doesn't seem that the climate really lends itself to that right now. Okay. Which is frustrating for me. It eats at me a little bit, but yeah. So my first thought, and curious what you think, but I I feel like you should refinance that. That was that was my the the climate of you you know, I don't know if your rate's going to be lower. Probably would right. be. Hold that money. You don't have to go spend it, but if I guess it depends on if you still can cash flow. Right. So have you thought about that? No. Uh, so I've asked a few times about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the guys over at Guild Mortgage are who I've worked with on the past. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's been about a year and a half since I've asked. Yeah. And obviously we're in a much more favorable rate yeah, man. right you now. Get, so it's definitely something I would You should check into that because you pull some of that money out and just sit on it and mm-hmm. wait till the time is right. Yeah. You know, because when you got three kids and yeah. you're building a business. Yeah, um, absolutely. Kids are very expensive. I'll uh, just put that plug in right now. I'm probably right. going to start. I'm going to start learning that <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we got to say that too. Yeah, yeah, we got to yeah. plug that. But Matt, that's a really good idea, and that's just, again, that's just lends itself to the value of having people. You know, it's not always about doing business with your network, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, this is a little bit tangential, obviously. But so many people go into every encounter with somebody and they look to do business with them yeah but i'm not shy i'm glad you bring that up man. yeah i'm not shy about telling even if if matt really wants to do business with me today and he just i don't know he thinks i'm some sort of genius i'm not shy about telling him that you're worth so much more to me as an advocate than a client right just because your network is powerful but the only way that i'm going to make an advocate of you is just if i make you a fantastic client right um but i'm you know even if somebody is working with an advisor they've had for 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. tell me what they're doing for you i think that's fantastic you know what have they done for you that's just you know really given you know that allows them to have an a plus from you um but i just wish more people were interested in you know building their network organically and matt that's something i've respected so much from from the get-go so thanks yeah. man and, I, yeah. and you know what I, I love that you say that because i feel like you go to these groups and it's like oh hey you do this okay i'm gonna send you business and it's yeah. like well you don't even really understand mm-hmm. how that person works and it's like so easy to get a, someone to just refer you 
Um, so you're the opposite of that, right? Yeah. You're like, I want to find out more about what you do, yep. but people just use business cause they just met you. Right. Hey, yeah. I just met this guy. Yeah. What you guys do has, you know, you have to have such a personal relationship to do business with you guys. And I feel the same way. I don't want people to do business with me unless they're comfortable talking about their family problems with me. Mm. Cause at some point things are going to come up. And I need you to be full disclosure with me. Otherwise, I can't paint you a, paint you a picture if you give me, like, two crayons. Yeah. Um, it's really, really difficult. That's a good point, man. Um, so We yeah. talk about, um, from the property manager side, you date your realtor, you marry your property manager. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a great point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing is, like, when I meet new people and with networking and stuff like that, like, some people are like, oh, let's just hop on a, a phone call or even a video call. And for me, I mean, I understand if they're out of state. But for me, it's like I always want to like do a face-to-face because I think building that relationship first and foremost is going to be successful in the long run as opposed to I don't think that the relationship or the business coming from that relationship is going to be as effective um, if we had just like opt on a phone call or exchange emails. Absolutely not. Right. right. I, I mean, if, I, you know, if I'm going to be critical of myself, which I am frequently probably too much, but I, I could sit down for an hour conversation with somebody and we'll talk about you your family for for an hour Mm -hmm. and i'll walk away from there and realize you know i don't you don't really know what i do and i don't really know what you do professionally but i know what you're passionate about Mm -hmm. and you know what i'm passionate about and then the next time i go golfing or the next time i go to the bubble fest or whatever at zilker park (laughs) whatever i know somebody who likes that stuff right yeah um and i think that's where that's where relationships are born not really on the business side but if you can know somebody personally right you know they'll come to you yeah absolutely 100 percent um so it sounds like um you you know really love what you do you said you know you're passionate about people and building relationships um so where do you see like what's your career goal where what's what does that look like for you yeah so i've heard it said a number of times that you know advisors are at the beginning at the outset they're the most overworked and underpaid folks in the entire world and i believe it I do too. Just yeah. from seeing it on the outskirts, I mean, I've seen a lot of people doing. It. I'm like, man, these guys are hustling. Yeah, you, you drive a lot, right? Are yeah. you going to other cities? And yeah. So I was, you know, it's like I said, I was born in Houston, and then it seems like all my friends from A&M uh, moved up to Dallas. Okay. And so um, then I was going out to West Texas for a while. So I kind of right. have four uh, four locations that I that I serve, which yeah. is kind of that's cool. normal, right? Yeah. A lot yeah, of these you know, guys drive all the time. Yeah, and and I enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I, you know, just hustling from that standpoint. But they say the later you know you get into it, you're you know extremely overpaid and underworked. And it's not my ambition to not work. It's my ambition to work very easily. Yeah. In that you know I can just say, you know, Matt, you've been a client of mine for 20 years. Fantastic. Hey, I'm going golfing on Friday. Bring two buddies. You know, mm-hmm. I'm. I'd like two more clients. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. I think if you have that type of relationship with people, that's obviously my goal. But, you know, do I really want to have a, you know, a, an entire floor at the Chase Tower downtown? No. Um, I'd love a cute little shop in downtown Buda. And yeah. just when people are in town, I mean, that, you know, Terry Lee or whatever it is that, that I'm with, yeah. to that ultimately be what, uh, you know, what they associate with doing, you know, planning in Buda. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So the overall goal is you're helping people with their finances, love right? It. Yep. Long-term planning current planning just overall strategy and i think it has to be in a holistic plan right Right. i think it's not about a specific product you know it's not about representing a stock it's not about representing a product or a line of products i think it's just about you know desiring to have a plan for somebody Mm -hmm. and and, you know it's frustrating because there are a lot of people who call themselves advisors and planners but they're very single focused and having a you know they've got when everything you know and all you have is a, a hammer everything's a nail Mm-hmm. And so they've got their one screw that they'll give to you no matter what your problem is. Um, those are those are customers. 
I want clients. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for the listeners, how can they find out more about you? So you can go to uh, RaymondJames.com backslash Terry Lee, okay. um, or just shoot me an email at Terry period Lee at RaymondJames.com. Okay, cool. Uh, one more question for yeah. you. Piece of advice for young entrepreneurs, um, just getting started or, you know, been in it for a while, like maybe some that you tell yourself or that you're learning, like what's really important? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was anticipating that question. So I'm glad you, Good. you asked me. All right. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I think it's appealing to them to come into this space because they think that they're really working for themselves. Mm. Um, but having made that change, I, I, I feel like I've never had to be accountable to more people than I am now. And just such a change in my dealings with people took place when I realized that I'm working for everybody and I am always on, not always on in the sense that I'm selling, but that I am taking care of everybody. I'm accountable to you. I'm accountable to everybody. And if you're just always on and building your brand mm-hmm. and hyper-focused on what it is that you're saying, doing, representing, um, I, I think you'll see so much personal development from that, which will obviously result in, in what you want to do. Mm, that's great. I yeah. love that. Love it too. Yeah. Um, once again, this podcast is provided by Texas Best Credit Repair. You can find them at TexasBestCreditRepair.com. Uh, Terry, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thank it you was guys. a I joy it. to talk to you. Um, you're a good family guy with a good heart, and um, we'll send you as much business as we can because sure we've it. had it face to face now. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> now we're best friends. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, signing off, guys. We'll see you guys later.